On today's show, the Hawks return to action at home on Friday. We'll talk about that game against the Sacramento Kings as well as AJ Griffin's return. More rumors on DeJounte Murray, and we'll get into all of that and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1619 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Thursday evening, and I'll be talking to you about all kinds of things on today's podcast, including Edgy Griffin, including DeJounte Murray trade rumors, and a preview of Hawks Kings with Greg Wissinger. But first, this episode is brought to you by the folks at Prize Picks, the most exciting way and the easiest way as well to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. It's probably called LockedOnNBA when you get there for a first deposit match up to $100. Check us out now at Prize Picks and Please subscribe to this podcast and make us your first listen each and every day across podcast platforms, places like Apple and Spotify, and of course, YouTube on the video side. We've been very busy on this podcast in recent days, Christmas trade stuff, as well as a recent podcast talking about the unfortunate loss in Chicago and a full breadth of coverage on the Atlanta Hawks on this podcast. And today we'll dive into a lot of different things, but at the end of the podcast, probably the last two thirds of the show or so, I'll be talking to Greg Wessinger. Of, of the Kings Herald about all things with regard to the Hawks and the Kings and draft considerations, etc. But first, some solo stuff here. And the big news on Thursday is that AJ Griffin returned to practice for the Hawks after missing the last eight games for personal reasons. Lauren Williams of the AJC talked to AJ extensively, did a good job with that interview. Uh, and AJ said that he's glad to be back and that the team has been supporting him throughout his personal absence. Um, just for those wondering, uh, yes, he was asked about why he was kind of not with the team. And uh, no direct answers, no direct details from AJ, but Lauren did kind of chronicle in her interview that AJ, AJ did lose his young nephew over the summer. I am not sure how much, if at all, that played into things, but that's kind of the only public information that we know, and that dates back to the summer, but still sort of a TBD, or maybe maybe, maybe we'll sort of never know as to why AJ's been gone, but he did say he's been getting, uh, sort of had a great time getting back on the court today, and it was, quote, kind of like opening a present for Christmas Day to be back out there on the court with his teammates. He spoke highly of his teammates in that interview with Lauren and for connecting with him as well as of, of his family for the prayers and support that he got. Of course, AJ is not shy about expressing his faith, as he often does, and he did so in that interview, and seems to be pretty much in a good place from his comments. Obviously, it's just one interview, but he seems to be pretty upbeat, and uh, Quinn Snyder talked about how he was happy to have AJ back and said it was good to see him smiling on the court today and uh, just kind of being out there competing. Uh, Quinn said that, quote, hopefully it's a given that the team would be supportive of AJ, and also that AJ was comfortable and confident enough to communicate with the team uh, in honest fashion about what was going on with them. It's not always e easy to do that in the way that Quinn was talking about, and I, I would certainly agree with that. So I thought it was a good kind of tone struck by Quinn, very supportive, and of course he kept coming back to being glad that AJ is back with the team. Officially for the game on Friday, he is now off the injury report. Now, I don't know if he's going to play. Uh, we'll see how that goes. He'll be in uniform, I am sure. He'll be active, but... um. I'm not sure if he's going to be a real option after one practice after being gone for several weeks, but um, if nothing else, him being closer to playing basketball is a good thing for the Hawks, for good, good for AJ, etc. And uh, hopefully we'll have more on that in a positive direction coming up in the near future. From there, we did get a, uh, a trade rumor slash rumbling in the last couple of days. I thought about this a little bit on my Christmas edition podcast, but some more reporting came out after the fact that I got a lot of questions in the last couple of days about one particular team with regard to DeJounte Murray and trade stuff. Um, first, Mark Stein reported that, quote, multiple teams talked to, talked to him in Orlando, believing that the Hawks are going to explore their trade options with DeJounte over the next six weeks. 
Not a huge surprise, given the previous reporting that I talked about a lot on Christmas, but uh, worth noting there as well. And then Sham Sharania of The Athletic made some waves on a appearance on TV with FanDuel TV. He was talking about Zach Levine and the Lakers kind of pursuing Zach Levine potentially, but he weaved DeJounte in as a, quote, potential target for the Lakers. First, he referenced DeJounte and having a very reasonable contract, which is certainly true, especially in comparison to, to Levine's deal, which is kind of underwater right now. But he also said that the Hawks' direction is, quote, in flux at this point. Not a huge surprise there. As far as the Laker direction, uh, and sort of that, that connection is to be seen, there's a lot to unpack there. I'll do the five-minute version versus the half-hour version of that. But the big thing is that the Lakers don't have a ton to offer for DeJounte Murray. Obviously, there's a whole separate subject about whether the Hawks are even going to trade DeJounte or seriously explore trading DeJounte. And again, I talked about that a lot on Tuesday, sorry, Monday and Tuesday of this week. But put that to the side for now. I'll just talk about the Lakers on this instance. They don't have a ton to offer. They have one first-round pick they can offer right now, and they could wait till the draft itself this summer and be able to offer more than that. But right now, it's only one. They also have some prospects that are not, like, nothing. Um, Jalen Huchifino, first-round pick from this year. Max Christie, a couple years ago. Some pretty intriguing guys, but neither one of those guys are, like, what you build a deal around. They're sweeteners. And then they also don't have a lot of expiring contracts, so the Hawks have to take, take on some money uh, long-term to move DeJounte in a two-team deal with the Lakers. Um, Jared Vanderbilt, by the way, is intriguing, but he can't be traded at all until the summer because he's signed an extension too late in the game this summer. They have, they have D'Angelo Russell, who is... A controversial player, not always my favorite guy. He has a player option for next year. They have Rui Hachimura. They have Gabe Vincent. Um, they, the Lakers could make Austin Reeves available, who's our third best player right now, probably. And other than Reeves, there's not really a lot of appeal, in my opinion, to the guys that I just referenced um, beyond, like, filler. Um, Reeves is on a good contract. I will note that he's even a worse defensive fit than Murray is next to Trey Young. Reeves is a pretty bad defender. Um, just saying that out loud. A good player, certainly, and certainly one on a good contract. But um, also, Shams said in his reporting that the Lakers do not want to move Reeves, which is not a surprise. That wasn't about Murray in particular, but I think the Lakers would like to add to Reeves versus trading Reeves out in a deal like this. So it could be a three-team deal. That's always possible, but also very complicated, especially if Murray gets involved here. There's the obvious connection that people have kind of referenced already, that DeJounte is, re is represented by Clutch, who, of course, has uh, lots of... Um, let's just say, intrigue with the Lakers across the years, and LeBron's there, a lot of, a lot of clutch guys on that roster. That doesn't mean that, 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 that deal's going to happen, but lots of photoshops will be taken probably in the next couple of days and weeks. So broadly speaking, I would say a two-team deal is not impossible with the Lakers, but it's fairly difficult for me to see a one that makes a lot of sense between just the Hawks and the Lakers. I would be asking for Reeves for sure if I was the Hawks in a deal with the Lakers because of the valuable contract. I don't love the fit with Trey, but Reeves is a quality player, even if he's a pretty poor defender in a lot of ways. Um, Russell would be a no-go for me. Doesn't fit the trade at all as a player option that you don't want to pick him to pick up, honestly. Um, Hachimura is fine, but he's making a good chunk of money, and I don't think he's a game-changing player. Defensively, he's kind of, you know, so-so. Gabe Vincent's been hurt all year long, for the most part. On paper, a pretty useful third guard, making decent money, but um, the injuries are a little bit scary. They have old friends Torian Prince and Cam Reddish, which are not, like, needle movers for me. In a trade, Cam's defense has been good this year, but offensively he's been very shaky. So that's the short version. I don't see a deal that's super obvious to me, although it, it certainly could be uh, in play if they were to get Austin Reeves in there. But beyond that, we'll have more if we need to in the near future. But I, I, got, I always want to talk about it for a second because I got a lot of questions in the last few days. And lastly, before I get to Greg Wissinger, who's coming up in a second from, from the Kings Herald, talking all things Hawks and Kings on Friday, uh, Kobe Bufkin made his G League debut on Wednesday and looked very good. Now, it's important to note 
The G League numbers are not com- are not comparable to NBA numbers in a lot of ways. But he looked very good. He had 34 points in that in that debut, five assists. He got to the rim a lot in that game. He was 12-16 on twos and got to the line several times as well. Only one of eight from three, which is a little bit shaky, but he was confident shooting the ball, which is good to see. And then defensively, I thought he looked pretty good. He looked athletic. He looked springy. And uh, I'd like to see that kind of all of what I saw from Kobe on paper in that game was uh, was certainly very solid. So that's one game, but it's a good sign after he had not been playing a lot of basketball over the last couple of months. And as for the Kings game, no huge injury news for Atlanta. Seth Lundy is out with the ankle that he sprained against the Bulls on Tuesday. Also, Hunter's still out. Muhammad Gay's still out. But AJ off the injury report, no Jalen, no Trey Young on the injury report. So positive stuff there. Only three guys out for Atlanta. So no like huge intrigue or uncertainty heading into the game on Friday. We, we all know that Hunter's going to be out. But other than that, the rest of the uh, usual cast of characters should be available for the Hawks. And uh, TBD on how much Jalen plays, how much AJ plays, if at all, et cetera, et cetera. But pretty strong there. And the Kings, by the way, have a very clean injury report. So some pretty healthy teams other than Hunter being out. And we'll get into all of that. In a second. Oh, last thing, by the way, our, the folks at FanDuel, our sponsors and our good friends over there, currently make the Hawks, as I record this podcast, one point underdogs in the game at home. They were actually one point favorites I saw earlier tonight. It's kind of going back and forth, but um, basically another coin flip game for the Hawks. And uh, they've, kind of, they've kind of not been playing very well in those games. But anyway, we'll get into all that and more in a second when I, when I talk to Greg Wissinger. But first, it were from our sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is sponsored by eBay Motors and our partners over there at eBay Motors have been teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd bringing some of the best fantasy basketball picks each week, all season long. And whether you're preparing for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire in your fantasy league every single week, we'll be providing you with some players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us this time around on this week's edition of eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. And as always, he has a lot of guys to highlight, but this time we're focusing on a very familiar name to Hawks fans, and that is, of course... Jalen Johnson is on Josh's list this week. Josh has been saying that Jalen's been uh, was dropping some leagues, and if that's the case, make sure to pick him up right now as he's coming back from the injury. And basically, I have to agree with that tactic. Jalen is very undervalued nationally, it seems like, and still applying to fantasy basketball as well. He's averaging 14 points per game this year, more than seven rebounds, about two stocks, steals plus blocks per game, shooting very efficiently from the field as well, about 6% from the, from the field this year, and he's going to be playing more and more minutes as he's back up to speed, plus with DeAndre Hunter out, even more usage for Jalen, you would think, on paper. He probably won't shoot 41% from three all year long, if I had to guess, but um, still can give you some three-pointers in fantasy basketball as well. Again, points, rebounds, assists even. He's a good passer, stocks, and very good efficiency, so he's a very strong con- contributor to your fantasy basketball team and certainly to the Hawks at this point in time. And again, Josh Lloyd from Lockdown Fantasy Basketball is going to help you out with winning your championships this year in fantasy. And eBay Motors knows a lot about championship teams. And they know that each player needs to be a perfect fit for your roster. It's the same for your vehicle. I'm on the road a ton for Hawk stuff as well as work stuff on the day job, etc. And going all over the place. And really, there have been times where I have to just find upgrades for my car or even just to fix a part or two. They keep things running and on track with my vehicle. eBay Motors is the best possible place to do all of that. They have over 122 million car parts for your number one ride. You can make sure that your car, truck, or SUV stays running smoothly with eBay Motors. They have brake kits. They have LED lights, roof racks, bumpers. Whatever your vehicle happens to need, they should have it at eBay Motors. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber and not burning cash. Keep your ride or die alive right now at ebaymotors.com. That is ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm joined now by Greg Wissinger of the King's Herald. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? 
I'm well. I appreciate you doing this. Uh, you have been a guest multiple times on this podcast. Uh, obviously, not going to generally talk Kings, but with the Kings coming up on the schedule for the Hawks on Friday, a couple days between games, good time to talk about the Kings. So, uh, obviously, we'll talk about the draft pick at the end of the podcast. So, if everybody's worried about that, it's coming up later. We're, we're 30 games-ish in on both sides. The Kings are currently in the playoffs. Pretty good start for the Kings, all things considered. As we record this, they're 17-12. and 12. Six seed in the West as we're recording. Uh, big picture... How are Kings fans and how are you feeling about this start considering how uh, last year went? You know, it's funny because overall the Kings are doing better than they were at this point last season. And yet Kings fans are mostly unhappy with it. <laughs> <laughs> expectations, you know, baby, we're back. It's, how it's quickly time. expectations yeah. shift, you know, we're, we're no longer just happy to be there. Uh, so <laughs> it's a bit of an adjustment. You know, I mean, like you said, 17 and 12 right now, currently the sixth seed in the West, which isn't a bad place to be and it's kind of in line with what we expected going into the season. We expected the Kings to, you know, be similar, maybe a little bit better, but also maybe be a little bit worse seed because last year was kind of a weird year in the West as far as kind of how the standings all shook out. And the Kings finished with 48 wins last year. That's normally not going to be a three seed. Uh, so, you know, even if they're on track for a similar win total this year, probably a little bit lower seed. But, I mean, overall, they're they're firmly in the playoffs. They've had some really high-quality wins. They've also had a lot of really bad losses. <laughs> That's kind of been the issue is that when they lose, they lose really bad. Um, you know, so right now, if you look at their, uh, you know, their, their net rating and, and differentials and all that, they project to be a little bit better than 500 as opposed to where they're at currently uh, or, or right around 500. So not ideal, but uh, they've had a, a lot of kind of weird things, kind of ups and downs and players being in and out of the rotation. Uh, there seems to be an expectation that at some point the Kings are probably going to make some sort of trade to kind of bolster themselves for the playoffs. So um, overall, the Kings are playing well. They're not playing well enough for where Kings fans want them to be and for where they would need to be to kind of take that next step from just being a team that makes the playoffs to being a team that can maybe advance a round or two. Yeah, that makes sense. It's kind of what I tracked, you know, of course, not watching every game of the Kings at this point, but tracking them as uh, I would say closely as other teams in the league that are not the Hawks. Uh, I, I have to lead on a positive note, I suppose, for those of you who might be listening for the Kings side. De'Aaron Fox has been playing out of his mind, it seems like, averaging like 30 a game. Uh, the Kings are, I believe, 14-9 and nine when he plays and, what, 3-3 three and three when he doesn't. Um, obviously, the offense isn't quite as good as it was last year because they were number one in the league in offense last year, but it seems like Fox is not the reason for that. And it, also, I looked at the on-off splits quickly. Pretty good with Fox and pretty bad without Fox on the court even. So, uh, obviously, does it feel like it's, he's making a leak? Because on, on the stat sheet, it feels like he's having his best season by far. He definitely is. I mean, across the board, not just in the scoring, as you mentioned right now, is it just over 30 points a game? Uh, he's shooting well from three, which for years was a, a huge flaw in his game was that he couldn't shoot to keep defenses honest. So now that he's making his threes, currently shooting 39.6% on 8.6 threes per game. So, I mean, high volume and high efficiency on those. It's really just opened it up to where it's really hard for defenses to slow him down. Uh, he's also playing much more engaged and effective on the defensive end where he's not a complete liability. I mean, the Kings aren't going to be good enough and there's other players just having even more superb seasons, but you know, Fox will should be kind of one of those down ballot MVP guys, you know, fifth, sixth, somewhere in there, you know, if Foden was today and we'll see if he keeps it up, but you know, I don't expect him to be a serious contender for it. At, at least not yet. But the fact that he's anywhere close to that conversation is just such a huge leap from where he was even a year or two ago. Yeah, he's playing great. And, you know, obviously this is a very broad and 
I would say obvious preview topic, but you know, the Fox versus Trey Young matchup is pretty glaringly a, a big thing to follow in this game. Trey finally had a, a human game after his uh, seven straight 30 and 10 games. He was not particularly awesome on Tuesday, but he's been playing great too. And, you know, two all-star level guys, the same position. I don't know if they're going to guard each other very much, but uh, certainly will be uh, that head to head is it's not, it's too reductive to say that's going to be the winner of the game, but certainly uh, the guy who plays better will have a leg up in the matchup. You have to get, you, you sort of have to guess. Yeah, at the same time, though, I mean, the, the Kings, so we're recording this on Wednesday. On Tuesday night, the Kings lost badly to the Trailblazers in embarrassing fashion. <laughs> and that was despite Fox going for like 40-something points yeah. and, and Sabonis having 30-plus points. I mean, so the problem for this year for the Kings when they have bad games is that the people other than Fox and Sabonis <laughs> aren't always showing up. Um, Familiar. That, that's been the big issue, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've seen that move before, for sure. I was, I was While we're sort of here... I mentioned it a second ago, but like I was going to just ask you why broad strokes. I mean, on your side, why the offense is a little bit more. They're still good this year, but they're not like they were last year. They're not number one in the league. They're what like like they're ten and twelve, something like that. They're they're still good offensively, but what's the difference? I mean, we just talked about Fox being better. What what hasn't gone as well on offense? Because the, the defense is always the topic. We'll get to that in a second. But the offense is kind of more not not pedestrian, but they're more uh, they're more normal this year than they were last year. No, they're absolutely more middle of the pack offense right now, and a lot of it has to do. Uh, we actually have an article up on the Kings Herald uh, about this today that the Kings are very much living and dying by the three. If you can get them to miss threes, everything else is falling apart because they are taking such a high volume. They're third in the league right now in three point attempts and their disparity in make when they may are making their shots in wins, they're shooting around 40% from three in losses. They're shooting around 31% from three. It's a huge disparity and it completely tanks them from being one of the best offenses to one of the worst offenses in the league. So it's really just that at least early on in the season, they haven't displayed an ability to overcome when the shots aren't falling. You know, they aren't getting to the rim. They aren't taking mid range. They aren't getting on fast breaks. They aren't getting stops on defense. Like their defense cannot keep them in a game if they're not outscoring the opponent, uh, which may also be familiar to Hawks fans, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Very so. similar. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's it's uh, you know we'll just talk about it now. I guess the the parallels are striking. Clearly, the Kings have had more success this year, but net rating wise, these teams are actually kind of yeah. almost exactly the same, except for and I talked about this a lot on, on my last show. But the Hawks have been just horrific in close games. They can't win a close game. Um, lots of blown leads, all that stuff. And the Kings have been. It seems like a little, a little bit more fortunate. And like you said earlier, when they lose, they lose badly. But when they seem to win these close games more often than the Hawks are at least. Mm -hmm. But um, it, it is so obvious to me and so interesting to me. I think when we talked last even over the offseason, it was kind of the same thing. Like these teams are kind of mirror images in a lot of ways. Like they're very similar to each other. It's just that the Kings are having more success. And um, hopefully that will flip if you're a Hawks fan. But it is what it is at this point in time. And uh, with that said, let's go to the defense. Because the Kings are not great defensively once again. Now, the signs are a little better. I mean, I, I can't tell by your reaction. I think they were a little bit better than they were last year defensively to kind of offset the offensive dip. But um, mm -hmm. what are you seeing on the end of the floor? Because clearly this is going to be a battle of two teams that are uh, struggling to get stops on the hole this year. Yeah, it is interesting that they are actually better on defense. They're not a good defense by any means, but they've been hovering somewhere around 20th to 22nd as opposed to you know 28th to 30th where they were before. So they have made some improvements on the defensive end. Uh, I haven't looked at the standings on where they're at currently, so I don't know exactly where they're, they're <laughs> currently ranking, but it, it's still in the bottom half of the league pretty comfortably. Uh, the biggest things that we've seen, I mean, Fox, as I mentioned before, has been playing some good defense. 
Uh, Sabonis actually has been playing really solid interior defense. He doesn't get the blocks. He doesn't get the the flash, but he's a very capable interior defender, uh, more so than he tends to get credit for. And the other big development has been Keegan Murray. Uh, Keegan has actually turned into a really good defender. There's certain guys that he still struggles to contain, but for the transition from his rookie year to his sophomore year, I mean, it's really encouraging for the long-term future of the Kings and what he'll be able to be as a two-way player. He's already way better at defense than I ever expected him to be, uh, even just based on what I watched last year. But after that, there's not a whole lot to talk about defensively. (laughs) Um, The Kings do a a decent job of disrupting passing lanes, but their on-ball defense is really a struggle, which leads to them collapsing and rotating and trying to recover and and make up for someone else's mistake, which uh, you can only do for so long against a, a good passing or good scoring team. Today's show is brought to you by PrizePix. PrizePix is the largest DFS platform in North America and also the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. At PrizePix, you pick two to six players, ship and choose whether they actually have more or less a certain number of, of, of projections in a ton of different categories, and win up to 25 times the money on your entries. You can also now pick combo projections across leagues for two more players in different sports and different leagues put together. And PrizePix also has a huge selection of sports and stat types not offered anywhere else, and they have projections on the NBA, of course, the NFL. MLB, NHL, and many more. They also have a reboot policy, and they are the only DFS platform PrizePix is with the injury inf- insurance policy that you're looking for. I've really enjoyed playing on PrizePix for quite some time. I'm digging in all the time during NFL season, of course, and also throughout the NBA season as well. On the whole, the experience is fantastic at PrizePix. It's easy, it's fun, and I highly recommend it at the highest level. And the place to go is prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use promo code LockedOnNBA when you get there for a first time deposit match up to $100. One more time, that is prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use promo code LockedOnNBA when you get there. Check out DFS Made Easy with PrizePix. Schematically, I wanted to ask you, I mean, I don't know how much you thought about this so far because the game hasn't happened yet and they haven't seen the Hawks this year, but when you're facing, if you're the Kings, facing a team like the Hawks that's obviously reliant on their point guard sized ball handler a lot um a lot of pick and roll stuff probably less than previous years like how do you expect them to sort of contain not not only trey but just the hawks in general like who do you think is gonna be the primary assignment that kind of stuff as to like what you're expecting to see on defense so i do think fox will get a, a decent share of it i mean he a lot of times will get tasked with guarding one of the the you know better players on the other team wouldn't surprise me if they are happy to trade and, and do switches and and have keegan guard him because keegan has taken on some defensive assignments for smaller players. Like he did a really good job uh, in their matchups against the Warriors with guarding Steph Curry, Uh, which doesn't sound like it would go well, but it went about (laughs) as well as you could hope, you know? Uh, So I wouldn't be surprised to see that. And then once they start working in the bench units and bench players, uh, Keon Ellis is another guy that will probably get some time on him. He's a player on a two-way contract. He's from the, the G league and he's, worked his way into essentially the backup point guard minutes. Uh, Sometimes he'll play alongside Fox. He's not the best on-ball defender, but he's got a huge wingspan and and really can give, especially small guys, he can give them trouble just, you know, kind of with the arms being everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, you know, Hawks fans that may not watch the Kings a lot might expect Davion Mitchell, who just isn't playing very much. Uh, that was kind of the role he was supposed to be in. Uh, I'll just mm-hmm. say that, Brian, you can correct me, but it feels like he was the guy that kind of had a lot of a tray assignment last year when they played, and he's just not hes not playing. Not, not necessarily that, not at all, but very, very little, it seems like. Yeah, this year has been very rough for, for Davion Mitchell. Um, he is essentially out of the rotation. He yeah. will play in garbage time minutes, but that's it. And a lot of it was just that he's kind of failed to develop as anything more than just an on-ball defender. 
you know, on ball, he can lock a guy down, but he is a complete zero on offense at this mm-hmm. point to where defenses just completely leave him alone and he can't punish him for it. Um, and he, I think more than anything, he's just a, a really bad fit for the way that the Kings operate. I think he could still have success in the NBA, but I think it's going to end up being somewhere else. And I think he's very likely to be moved at the trade deadline. You know, if he doesn't, it's just that the Kings couldn't find a taker. Yeah, that makes sense. I just wanted to at least throw that out there because that that's one of the yeah. one of the notable changes that you might see if you are a Hawks fan is not seeing the Kings play this year. And, you know, on the other end of the floor, we talked about it a little bit, but I just, just want to say this out loud. The Hawks are going to have trouble defending the Kings. That's probably pretty obvious to me. Um, I would say controlling either Fox or Sabonis would be helpful. Uh, you probably can't stop both of them, but uh, keep, not, not letting both of those guys go nuts. And, of course, I have to just say the name of Kevin Herter, old pal. Uh, he's been up and down this year, it feels like. But he's been fine, it seems like. I don't know. Well, you can correct me. How's he playing? Uh, short it, short it, version, how's Kevin playing this year? Uh, short version is I wrote an article two days ago about how bad his December has been. Yeah, and, I, I, did, and, I did. I did I did see that, actually. And so, for this podcast, I was like, hey, Kevin's not playing very well, very well according to Greg. So Yeah, no. I mean, we've seen him go through long, like, prolonged slumps before. Like, he's he had does that. complete off months, and then he's back, and he's fine. So I'm... I'm not completely out on Kevin Herter the way some Kings fans are, but it's been a very difficult start to the year. He, he had a decent November, but then uh, he he's really, really been bad in December and, and seen his minutes dwindle because of it. But, um, you know, we're, we're hoping he busts out of the slump and, and maybe he can do it against his old team. I, I was going to say, it would not be at all surprising if he hit six threes on Friday, at least to me, given the way the Hawks defense uh, is playing. Also, just the, uh, the general tone of the Hawks season so far, that would not be a, a shock to me. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate the time. Before we get out of here, we have to talk about the the, the ever-looming draft pick that the Kings owe to the Hawks. If you are under a rock, the Kings, if, if the Kings make the playoffs this year, they will send a first-round pick to the Hawks. If they miss the playoffs, they will keep it for another year that's protected, rolls over. Um, I looked this up before we started recording. Uh, it's only one metric, but ESPN BPI is giving the Kings currently a 54.4% chance to make the playoffs. So a little bit better than not. Right now, they're in better shape than that. But as we discussed earlier, their net rating is a little bit shaky, which is probably why ESPN mm-hmm. does not love that. Um, where sort of are you at in terms of your confidence level on the Kings making the playoffs? Because if you're a Hawks fan, I've said this before, you acknowledged it too earlier in the, uh, in the offseason, the Hawks should want the Kings to be the 7 or 8 seed. That's, that's where they want the Kings, the Kings to be. Yeah. Um, and it seems like they're kind, they're kind of on track to kind of be there. So what are you, <laughs> what, what are you sort of projecting for the rest of the season? I know it's still... I should say it's it's not early anymore. We're thirty games in, but um, what do you see for the next fifty-two games and uh, where they might end up? No, I, it, I'm sure a big part of it's just the homer in me, but I I do believe <laughs> okay. that the Kings are gonna comfortably be, you know, in that playoff mix. I, I'd be very surprised if the pick doesn't convey. Now, whether they'll end up as, you know, a, a five seed, six seed, seven seed, eight, whatever it might be. I, I do feel comfortable that it's likely to convey um, and Kings fans actually are rooting for it to convey as well. Cause it opens yeah. up future trade possibilities. There's ways they can trade with that in place, but it, it complicates it and makes the, the pick less appealing. Right. So, so yeah. Um, or the trade assets, I should say. So, everyone's rooting for that pick to convey <laughs> over to you guys this year. I feel um, like, I feel like um, the, the draft diehards are maybe, constructing a take that they don't want mm. if you're a Hawks fan they, that they don't want it because this, this is supposed to be a sure. bad draft and I'm I'm not quite all the way there on the draft yet but I'm leaning that in that direction too on the flip side it's kind of like a future proposition where if you think the Kings are gonna be better next year than this year then you want the pick to come now because if mm-hmm. the, what obviously there's not a ton of downside for the Hawks other than, other than 
if the Kings become the Kings again, the old Kings, the Kangs, and they right. and, and they suddenly start going into the lottery every year, that'd be bad because then it becomes second round picks. But mm-hmm. um, I, I'm don't think that's like that's probably likely to happen. And I, my, I've been on record the whole time. If I'm if I am the Hawks franchise, I am rooting for the Kings to to send it this year, but also to be in that seven eight kind of six seven eight range. And that means the pick will be something between fifteen and eighteen. And that's not a great pick in this draft, but it's a, that's a valuable asset. And to your point, also. It's just easier for like clarity purposes to just like if you're for planning. I know it's even better, mm-hmm. even more so for the Kings because that way, just for not to bore everyone with this with the Stepian rule, but you have to be there's there's all kinds of rules on what picks you can sort of sort of trade out there, and the Hawks are already kind of weird on picks, so it'd be just nice to know what's what's coming and what's not coming. That's a little bit of content pr- preparation, I suppose. But um, we're all following. I, I, I told you this before, before before we started recording. I think the Kings pick tracker is getting less attention this year than I thought it was going to because the Hawks are having so much trouble. Yeah, uh, I think maybe later in the year people will start paying t- paying more attention. And be like, hey, by the way, this is actually something you kind of have to follow because that pick's going to be important for your future potentially. But you heard it here first. Greg's confident, so you're more you're more confident than the ESPN is. Can I, can I say that by, by BPI? I should say fifty fifty four percent is too low in your in your opinion. Well, I mean, you could say it. It's okay. You're allowed to. You're, you're allowed to be uh, on the on the bandwagon here. It's okay. Well, I was just. I always find it funny. He's like, they're saying a little bit better than 50 50, which, I mean, slightly less than 50% make the playoffs every year. So it's. Yeah, funny. that's also true. I mean, I, I, look, I, I would imagine that. Look, I don't, I don't have the BPI algorithm, but I would guess it probably mm-hmm. has to do with their net rating and they're probably overachieving a little bit oh, so far sure. based on that. And, um, and that's kind of where, like, I thought the Kings were going to be in the playoffs this year, if I had to guess. We talked about that back in, I think it was July when you and I talked last or maybe August. But. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't change my opinion very much on this. I mean, even as an outsider, again, I'm not watching every Kings game, but from what I have seen, from what the numbers say, like it feels like this is going to be a team that's somewhere in that five to eight range in the West, and mm-hmm. you know that's a, not a bad outcome for the Hawks. I think that's not awful for the Kings. Yeah. I know, like you said, no one's going to be thrilled. And look, I I covered a team that, re, that rebuilt for a while, and in the first year it's all gravy, man, and then the next year it's not all gravy anymore, and you're you're experiencing that now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would say that the entire Kings organization would consider it a massive failure if they didn't make the playoffs this year. And, I bet, yeah. You know, I, I fully expect them to make some moves to kind of bolster the roster and, and hopefully kind of address some of their flaws as they prepare for the playoffs. I mean, the, the mindset of the whole team and the organization is everything they're doing now is to prepare for playoffs. So I, I think they'll get there. They're having some struggles, but... I mean, a lot of their lo- recent losses probably look a lot different if Herder breaks out of a slump. There you, you know, go. Just easy example. Or Bring it back. Murray or, you know, any yeah. of these guys. So I, I think there's a pretty good chance still that that pick conveys for you. Yeah, and uh, I will obviously on this podcast track that as we get going. Uh, the Hawks and Kings play again in about a month after this first matchup. It's like in late, late January, the, the late late night game is always out in Sacramento. We'll touch on that one again when we get there. But, Greg, thank you for all the time. I appreciate Anytime. it. You referenced Kings Herald before. I would recommend that at the highest level. Where, where can folks find all of your fine work covering the Kings? Because, again, Hawks fans should want to at least follow along with the Kings pretty well right now, I'd say. Yeah, so the best place to follow us is kingsherald.com. We're a completely independent Kings website. Uh, we have you know, full range of coverage. And then uh, you can also find us on Twitter at the Kings Herald. And I'm on Twitter at GWiz. There you go. Follow Greg, follow Kings Herald. Great stuff. I appreciate you uh, doing this as always on short notice. And uh, thank you for your time on this fine evening. For everyone listening to the podcast, please subscribe to this show as well. Spotify, Apple, YouTube, etc. And we'll see you after the game against the Kings on Friday evening.